Unspeakable joy, unspeakable joy. Jesus is, Jesus gives unspeakable joy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Unspeakable Joy Podcast. I am Joy Sixtos, host of the show, and I'm glad that you are here today as we hear an exclusive interview of something God had been faithful to and faithful to bring the victory about concerning a healing testimony, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you again for being here or more about the podcast or to go back and hear previous shows and to not only listen, but to share them. You can go to anchor.fm slash unspeakable dash joy. Or for information on the ministry that the Lord has me participating in and pioneering different things and just being faithful to what he has called me to do, you can check out the ministry website, Unspeakable Joy at unspeakable-joy.com. Well, we're going to get into this interview right away because there's a lot to say and we're going to let the Holy Spirit flow. We're just going to talk out of our hearts and we're going to share of God's goodness. He is so, so good. And I wanted to bring on my brother, Jonathan Sixtos, today to share a healing testimony of what God did and how God was faithful and, and good to us through a duration of one year of things that transpired and took place. And many of you may be somewhat shocked to find out because our family just took this situation to God. Of course, we let our pastors know and people were praying and things, but, uh, you know, God was good. And so we're going to talk about that. And I really felt like we should highlight this and give God the glory at the end of this year as 2022 comes to a close. And we're just reflecting, you know, I, I'm sure you are as well, thanking God for what he has done, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, and so much more as his faithfulness reigned through and was evident in the valleys, in the mountaintops, in all things pertaining to all of our life this year of 2022. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. So, John, we are talking about something sensitive because we experienced it firsthand, and that was what God did in your life, in your physical body. So, Take us back. This happened over the duration of about a year, maybe last September or so, last summer or so. But take us back to where it all started. Okay, so in the beginning of the school year in August, I was going through some routine checkups, just getting some things looked at. Uh, the first thing was I noticed something on my foot. And so my foot was feeling a little weird. So I went to the doctor and he said, oh, it's just a little calcium buildup. So uh, get some supportive insteps and do this with your shoes and you'll be fine. So, okay. So that was fine. Then I went for another checkup and I noticed something wasn't quite right. And so I had a doctor check on some things and he said, well, that looks like a cyst. And so we did some further testing on the cyst and he goes, well, actually when we scanned, we found a tumor underneath the cyst. And he says, you know what, we're just going to take those out and I'm going to go ahead and have that tumor tested because anytime you see a growth like that on your body, you want to make sure, obviously, that nothing is spreading from that. So we went ahead and removed the cyst and removed the tumor around November, uh, November 3rd, 2021. And so they sent that off for testing and everything came back inconclusive. And so I was praying and I was like, okay, God, well, I'm going to trust you with this because it's not something that I anticipated. It wasn't something that I had prepared for, obviously, just being 32 years old and 
getting ready for a new school year and just getting ready for things to be hopefully back to normal after the craziness that was the 2020 school year. So once we got all that taken care of, he sent me in for a full body scan. And unfortunately, in that scan, we found two very large lymph nodes because lymph nodes are only supposed to be they're supposed to be very small. And the ones that he saw in the scan was almost seven or eight centimeters in diameter. And so he goes, well, you know what? I'm going to pass you on to a specialist who deals with cancer and these different things. So when you hear that word, it just shifts your focus, your mindset. It's uncharted territory, really. So in the beginning of the school year 2021, getting ready for a new beginning and a new season and excitement. And now all of a sudden, just kind of pumping the brakes on that saying, wow, you know, I need more testing and getting ready for the end of the year. Thankfully, it worked out with our holiday breaks that I was able to take some time off and address, you know, my health needs. And I was just in a hurry. Okay, we got that taken care of. I just want to get back to normal was my mindset. But then when the second body scan showed the enlarged lymph nodes, now things started to get a little more serious. And so that definitely challenged me mentally. And I'll be honest and say spiritually as well, because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't anticipating it. I would say I was unprepared. Especially because you felt overall fine. You were healthy, everything. Of course, like you said, you had noticed the cyst and stuff, but otherwise you felt okay. Right. There were no bodily signals or signs. I didn't feel pain or anything. I just felt like something was off when I went to get the checkup. And then once I found out about the lymph nodes inside and the the scarier part, not so much for me because I wasn't sure what any of it meant, but for them was that they were right next to my spinal cord. So that was something that kind of complicated things a little bit. And that's when I really had to buckle down and just ask myself, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? What does this mean for the ministry? What am I going to do about this circumstance because it was something that caused me to really reevaluate my life priorities there were some things that i was dealing with at the beginning of the school year and like i said preparing and getting ready and not really again anticipating this life-changing diagnosis to come into play and then asking myself well what am i going to do about this how is this going to impact my life my career the ministry that i'm involved in where do i go from here Right. I remember when you began to share that with us. And then, of course, our immediate family were with you the whole step of the way in prayer and support and everything. And then even because you allowed us to go to some of the follow-up appointments with the different doctors and stuff. And the initial doctor, the next doctor, which ended up being your surgeon, and then the oncologist, the cancer doctor. And uh, it was a little intimidating in a way, too, because they sent you to the UT Health System MD Anderson location in San Antonio. So when you hear all these things like MD Anderson and, you know, the whole scope of everything that happened during last fall of 2021 into the beginning of 2022, it was a lot I know even on behalf of me and my family my parents it was a toll on us as well spiritually emotionally so many things that went on but we have lived I love what you shared one time out of place of resurrection and revival that we leaned that much more on Abba Father God for our strength knowing that somehow some way when we spoke his word it would come to pass and it would come forth 
So, Jonathan, you gave us the opener here, summarizing what the beginnings were like and how it happened and everything. But during this process, how did you feel emotionally, mentally that much more? And how did your faith carry you through? Well, obviously, at the outset of the diagnosis, there was that temptation to just completely shut down and prepare for the worst. That's a very common methodology of dealing with difficult circumstances. People say, well, if I prepare myself for the worst possible outcome, then number one, I won't be disappointed. And number two, I'll be prepared for whatever path that my life takes. And so immediately I had to decide in myself, I'm not going to prepare for the worst case scenario. Because anytime a doctor has to tell you all the possible options, and they use that word and that diagnosis and that disease, I had to, I guess the way that I would describe it was to be aware, but not anticipate. And we understand that medical professionals are required to explore all the possibilities with you. So there are no surprises. Obviously they're protecting themselves from malpractice suits or anything like that. So I wasn't angry at the doctor when he said it could be this, it looks like this. I've seen things that resulted in this in the past. I understood he was just doing his job. And I also wasn't angry at God because I feel like to understand his nature fully, which I don't believe that we can in our finite human minds completely understand his nature, but we can see him. The Bible says nature testifies to his goodness. We know that he gives every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights. And so I really had to go back to the bedrock of my faith. And I used to joke, you know, with the youth classes, I'm a youth pastor at our church, that one of the promises of Jesus is that in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Right. So in understanding that following Christ does not prevent troubles, following Christ preserves us through troubles. And so I had to understand, hey, even if I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil Mm -hmm. for you are with me. And that was an eye opener for me because we tend to avoid pain. It's just a natural human response. And so knowing that there would be biopsies and there would be surgeries and things to take care of this, I had to decide right away Am I going to allow the doctors to work with me and my faith in addressing this medical condition, or am I going to kind of eschew medical understanding and simply rely on God? And so I took the course where I'm going to allow the doctors to work with me in my faith. And it was a conversation that we had with my pastors that in getting this first surgery, I do not feel like I lack faith. In fact, one of the revelations that I got was that in the book of Genesis, God performs the first surgery on Adam when he creates Eve. The Bible says that he put him into a deep sleep and took one of his ribs away for his benefit. Yes. And so my understanding was, I'm going to go under general anesthesia. I'm going to allow this medical professional to operate, take something away for my benefit. So I had peace about that. That's a powerful revelation, Jonathan, and I had honestly never seen that before until our family received that from the Holy Spirit to give that extra sense of peace, like everything's going to be okay. 
and praise God that it was. So like you mentioned, you did have some biopsies on those lymph nodes. And again, they kind of gave you mixed uh, reports, inconclusive, inconclusive, like it should be cancer, but they couldn't say it. Right. I even had a doctor who told me, he goes, I cannot tell you that you have cancer. And it was an interesting phrasing of the the way that he approached it because you would expect doctors to, like I said, prepare you for the worst case scenario. But given the medical terminology that he was using and the signs that he saw, I never received that word over myself and I never referenced myself with that. And I want to just encourage your listening audience that, like I was telling my pastors, being aware or even acknowledging a report from the doctor does not mean that you don't have faith. We are, like the Bible says, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We have to be aware of how this world works, the medical system, the healthcare industry, all these different things, my medical insurance and how that works. I could not just close my eyes and pray and expect everything to disappear, which the way that I put it right there might sound counterintuitive because we are people of faith. Uh, some people may describe us as word of faith or however they like to categorize the way that we believe, but we are no strangers to struggle, and we are also very familiar with miracles. You referenced earlier how the Lord uh, encouraged me, reminding me that we come from a household of revival with our mother who had several miscarriages. She was unable to birth children, and then the Spirit moves in Pastor Rosie's service. She has the last day's Holy Ghost outpouring ministry once a month. And so she was impressed by the Holy Spirit to strike my mother in the stomach. And very biblically significant, being moved by the Spirit to strike something, whether it was water from the rock, whether it was Elijah and Elisha splitting the Jordan River, whether it was Moses splitting the Red Sea, whenever there was action accompanying a move of the Spirit, then we start to see fruit from that. And so that's one of the things that we spoke over my body is that this would not bear fruit. And I go back to the story of Jesus and the fig tree, something that looked like it was going to bear fruit, and he cursed it, saying, you are not going to bear fruit ever. You're going to wither away and die. And so one of the things that whenever there is cancer present in the body, the way that it bears fruit is it metastasizes. It breaks off and it floats away and it takes root somewhere else. So when we prayed over these lymph nodes and what the doctor was looking at, well, that looks like it might be metastatic. So we prayed and I believed and I said, this is cursed from the root to wither away and die. It will not bear fruit. And so definitely not just using my faith as a placebo to make me feel better, but actively meditating on it. I was reading a, a book from the Hankins Ministries about healing scriptures. And so putting action to my faith, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And Jesus himself says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I was very careful and guarded in my speech, not dismissing what the doctor told me, but also not delivering out of my mouth his message. The things that I would speak and acknowledge and believe are the things that I kept in my heart. So I wouldn't give way to fear the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And several translations say self-discipline or self-control. So I had to control my bodily response, which was anxiety, which was fear, which was panic, which was unpreparedness for the really confronting our own mortality. 
and saying, wow, you know, my days on this earth are numbered. And we don't consider that when things are going well. We say, well, God is good because things are going well. But our faith has to be rooted in his character and his presence, not just his gifts, like presence. Right. And so that really opened my eyes to, I guess I've heard some ministers call it the theology of suffering. Like, how do we trust God in trials? Do we only trust God to avoid trials? Is God just our Santa Claus or our our vending machine? You know, I gave this special love offering, so I'm believing for this miracle. And so with that, it invited a deeper exploration of my faith. Instead of just taking things at face value, well, you know, this is what I learned in children's church, and this is what I learned in youth class, and these are the scriptures that we quote whenever we have aches and pains, but really exploring the life of David, the life of Job, the life of Jesus, who suffered more than any of us, and it was within God's will. So there are some people who say, well, God doesn't want you to suffer. Well, he doesn't desire that any of us should suffer. But as a result of the curse with Adam and Eve and inviting sin into the world, Romans 5.12 tells us that wherefore by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. So I had to wrestle not only mentally and prepare myself, okay, these doctor's appointments are necessary and these surgeries are beneficial, but also wrestle spiritually, theologically. Okay, so suffering is in the Bible. I'm not inviting suffering. I'm not saying that God is putting this on me, but I'm saying that God is not leaving me. This is not a result of God being mad at me. Exactly. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, the Bible says. Right. And so I won't say that it was something that just kind of, I flipped a switch. It was something I had to continually meditate on, continually encourage myself and Listen to several different worship songs. One of my favorite through this trial was Anna Golden, Still God. The live version where she just proclaims that truth was very encouraging, very uplifting. Uh, Never Lost. I was listening to a version by Tribal. Uh, I think they're based out of Atlanta. And just declaring those truths. The God's never lost a battle. And regardless of what happened in my body, going all the way back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saying, even if he doesn't deliver me from this particular fire, I'm still not going to curse him. I'm not going to leave him because he's not left me. And recognizing God's goodness is not predicated on my comfort. Jesus on the cross demonstrates God's ultimate goodness, and that was excruciating pain. Literally, where we get the English word from, from the cross, excruciating pain. So these were things that were floating around in my mind while I was going in and out of the hospital and biopsies and different things. And even the biopsies themselves, they kept saying, well, this tissue looks dead. This tissue looks dead. We don't understand what's going on. And so eventually they said, well, here are your options. We can cut you open from your ribs down to your intestines and go in there and dig these lymph nodes out because again they were on my spine near your aorta right on your aorta right yeah so he was saying we can do that and that's going to be several months recovery or we have a new procedure where we go in robotically and we can take care of those because by this time one of them had gotten almost to 10 centimeters and there was another one that was about seven centimeters So with those and the options that I had, it looked like, you know, okay, well, it doesn't look like they're spreading, but we want to take these out, this dead tissue. It doesn't belong in there. So in June of this year, I went in to University Hospital in San Antonio, 
and one of the foremost doctors in the country who performed this kind of procedure robotically. They went in there, and because of the complications of being near my spinal cord, being near my aorta, which your lymph nodes are scattered all over your body, he ended up taking over 10 hours for a surgery that probably should have taken in the neighborhood of six hours. Yes. And that was a lot. It was a lot on my body. It was uh, a form of trauma that I endured. And then afterwards having to be, I remember being so thirsty when I came out and they were saying, you can't have anything to eat or drink. And so I would just ask the nurse, like, can I get something, anything like my throat is dry and it hurts because I was intubated. And really, anything more than 10 hours, they don't recommend intubation because you can mess up your larynx, your vocal cords and different things. So that was another struggle that I went through. And it makes me think of the story that Jesus tells of the rich man who just wants some water. And he's like, oh, can anybody just dip their finger in water and just come put it on my, my tongue? So as you can tell, like in these make or break moments in my life, it always had to come back to my grasp on reality, my grasp on what is real and at the basis of everything was God is good and God is here with me. The Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. And that was something I was already meditating on at the beginning of the fall last year. And it's something that I continued to meditate on because this was already six or seven months after the initial diagnosis. And the most difficult thing through this all was trying to maintain a sense of normalcy. I didn't share hardly anything with my close friends just my uh, men that I consider my brothers that I've known for over 10 years each. Right. And so just having them believe with me and pray with me, people that I knew were not going to speak doubt or fear over my life. It was such a serious issue that whole duration of the year. Yeah, you needed faith. Yeah, I needed some fighters in my corner. I needed people who were going to encourage me. And that's nothing against familial obligations. I had nothing against my family. I wasn't using this as uh, some kind of power trip. Well, only these people get to know. But it was, I need someone who I know is going to pray with me and someone I know that is going to fight for me. And I'm thankful for not only my support community, but people who encouraged me along the way or even what little they did know. They said, well, I'll be praying for you or, you know, my thoughts are with you. And, and all of those things are welcome and encouraged and appreciated. But the, the details themselves, I kept pretty close. There were even some close family members that I didn't share with. Right. And that was my decision. You know, uh, when it comes to medical things, we don't owe anyone any explanations. So people at work, they didn't need to know. People, uh, family, extended family, if I didn't want to share with them, I made that decision not to share with them. And that was just to respect my privacy going through it. But I would definitely encourage those who are going through something not to completely close yourself off. Because like I said, I had a network of people that had my back. And that really helped on days where I would just run out of gas and I would just be tired. Not from putting up a, a facade, but from fighting just to make it through a normal day. Knowing, okay, well, I got to take a day off of work to go see the doctor. And then I have to come back and I have to be Mr. Sixto's and I have to help these 110 kids and I have to get this lesson plan done and I have to work through these situations where maybe students weren't having a good day and I had to have energy to counsel them and encourage them and redirect them and discipline them. I could not put my life on hold. And so my faith was the bedrock that gave me the strength to persevere because I don't feel like I could have had I not had those realities 
God is with me. This surgery is going to help me. I believe God will heal me. And those were the things that kept me grounded and kept me sane through this process that lasted many, many months. So the recovery after the June surgery was very difficult, very taxing physically. And just before all this happened, I was in some of the best shape of my life. Yes, you had lost some weight. You're doing gym. Like we said, living a good, normal life. Right. I even, just to share with the audience, I had found out in January that I had been diagnosed with COVID and I didn't even know it. Mm-mm. I had been, now I had been wearing my mask everywhere, uh, but I had been going to the gym and getting some really good workouts in and the doctor had a follow-up with me. He's like, hey, you know, uh, we have your results from your COVID test almost three days ago. It's like, well, you need to quarantine So I told my students, I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I have my mask on, but I'm going to go ahead and wipe down my area. I have to go home because those are the rules. And I just wanted to keep everyone safe. But I found an outdoor track where there was no one around. And I just went and ran six miles, just continuing to put in effort to strengthen my body where I could. And one thing that I've learned over this process is to listen to my body and Before, it's so easy to say, you know, I'm going to push myself and I'm going to put my body under submission. You know, the Apostle Paul writes, I buffet my body. But to interpret those signals, especially in the context of a gym or a schedule saying, you know what, I really feel like I want to go to the gym tonight, but my body is telling me I need rest today. And yeah, maybe it would throw off my schedule. I'm only going to go three times this week instead of four. And that's okay. Listening to my body and what it needs, not necessarily what it wants. Because what it wanted was to just shut down and just have comfort food and just everything else is outside of my control. My diet is within my control. So let me consume what makes me feel good because right now nothing else feels good. Right. And I had to resist that temptation. I had to say, you know what? I want this, but I need that. I want to go hang out with friends, but I need right now to do this. And even through this whole process, the Lord worked it out where I was still able to continue with work responsibilities over the summer. I was at a work conference the day before my surgery, Mm -hmm. and I started a work project the week after my surgery, and I started graduate school the week after my surgery, and not even knowing that this was going to happen. So the way that the surgery came around was the doctor said, we need to do this as soon as possible. I need to get you in end of May. Because if not, he was going to be booked all the way through August. And so I told him, I said, okay, well, whenever you have availability, let me know. And the way that he called and worked it out was perfect because I was still able to announce kids at graduation. I was still able to help with the curriculum project. I was still able to start graduate school and definitely thankful for my immediate family that helped me with all these things because I was immobile. For a very long time, the abdominal surgery and the spinal cord and the aorta and everything that they rearranged in there and (laughs) and thinking, you know, how I had to recover from this, I had to sleep sitting up for almost a month and I needed help getting around. And there were a couple instances where I went to church with a cane just to steady myself. And I had to deal with the the mental reluctance because I didn't want to be viewed as weak or I didn't want people asking questions and I didn't want to have to expend that extra energy when, like I said, so much of my energy just went towards living a normal life. And so presenting that, I had to get rid of that stigma like, oh, well, people are going to ask. And thankfully, we have so many mature believers in our church community where I even had a brother come up to me and he just placed his hand lightly on my shoulder. He said, I'm not going to ask, 
but I'm praying for you. And that was so uplifting to me. I'm so glad that my pastors didn't belittle me for things that were outside of my control. You know, they told me early on in the process, whatever you choose, we will believe with you. You know, they didn't make me feel like I didn't have enough faith because this was happening to me because they themselves have gone through physical struggles in the past. And that's a mature faith. Right. Things happen to people. Right. And so I was able to persevere through those things and even other things outside of my control. Recently this year, we went through a a death in what we consider extended family. And so that was so difficult, but I felt a, a unique connection to the grieving family because I know what it feels like to question God. And the way that I ministered to our young people is this, questioning God is good. Doubting God is dangerous because a question will not rest until it seeks an answer. But a doubt really doesn't care about the answer because they've already got their mind made up. In the same way that we see like doubting Thomas, this is what Jesus has done. Well, I don't believe it. But it it happened. Well, I don't believe it. That's the difference between doubt and questioning. So I, I had some very honest, very raw conversations with God. God, why is this happening? What is going on here? And it was reminiscent of Jesus in the garden. Take this cup from me. I don't want to suffer. Jesus's physical body literally in the grip of anxiety to the point where blood vessels under his skin burst and blood is coming out of his pores like sweat. Mm -hmm. And even not even understanding that for thousands of years until medical professionals understood the amount of stress and trauma that the body can endure before something like that happens. And so knowing God was with David, God was with Joseph and Job and Jesus and all these people who suffered, and it does not diminish his goodness. And so recognizing that as I was going through these processes definitely changed the way that I minister to people and kind of broke down some barriers in my own life and my own understanding that, well, bad things don't just happen to bad people. And a lack of faith is not the only issue. And even, you know, we read the, the scripture where it says like, the curse without a cause cannot show up, but we already know that we are born into sin because we were born through Adam. And so we are in this temporary time period operating under that curse. Everybody dies. We all have to go by the way of the grave because we all have sinned. I mean, that's in the Romans road. Romans 623 talks about that. All die because of all has sinned. And it's something that people who don't understand, they obviously don't spend their time wrestling with it, but people who believe in Jesus and who follow that Christian faith, they understand, hey, I have to use the time that I have on this earth to tell people about the love of Jesus because we are all going to die. And it's not something that I intended to wrestle with at 32 years old. Jonathan, this is a lot to take in. And uh, thank you for being vulnerable with our audience today. Uh, We're trying to put a whole year's worth of information, summarizing it, of course, in one podcast episode, but thank you for opening your heart to us. Now, before we finish up and wrap up this testimony with what happened June 1st, 2022, at that last surgery, that major over 10-hour surgery, which the doctor himself commented and said he was tired. That's the longest surgery he has ever performed in his career. And we'll get to that in just a second. But take us to the spiritual side of things. 
before we even, from day one, you could say, told our pastors, you told your pastors so that they could know the situation in the natural, in your physical body, and they could attack it and fight and pray by faith in the name of Jesus for the power of God to intervene. Before that even happened, what happened at a Holy Ghost service at church where Prophetess Rosie was led to pray over you? Yeah, so as I referenced before, we are no strangers to miracles. I mean, our mother was able to have us because of our pastor's obedience to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And we also experienced uh, not only revival, but resurrection when my dad kind of fell away from the faith and he was in a vulnerable position. He had a horrible accident. And my mom was kind of warned by the Holy Spirit in a dream. And she was able to intervene and pray over him. And he fell down from a windmill about 20 feet died he had a traumatic brain injury and he was resurrected from the dead after right. a time and he was able to slowly and gradually work his way back from that and with physical repercussions that accompany a brain injury but definitely not what the doctor said he was going to be right 30 years later he's doing great definitely and so I'm no stranger to a miracle working God and unbeknownst to pastors before any of this happened I went up to receive during a service where the spirit was moving and i was just lifting my hands and surrender and just praising god and worshiping god and trusting god so pastor rosie felt as she was you know just laying hands on the audience she did something that definitely is unconventional in our arenas and spaces and so generally we just try to honor everybody and just either lay hands on foreheads or shoulders or hands but she placed one hand on my abdomen and one hand on my back and she was praying over me and during this while this was going on our uh, praise and worship leader sister ruthie she was singing a song a classic song from back in the day and she was singing it's the holy ghost and fire that's keeping me alive and so as i was prayed for i just received that and not necessarily feeling anything you know some people say they feel a heat or an electricity or just a weightlessness and whatever their experience is, we honor that and we're excited. But I knew that it wasn't about the experience. It was about the faith. Faith is the evidence of things that we hope for and we can't yet see. And so I received that all the way back in September before I'd even had my first surgery. And then in June, after 10 and a half hours, the doctor comes in, makes his rounds, checks to make sure everything's going okay. And I'm laid out there just souped up on painkillers and stitched up and wound draining and everything. And he says, you know, I know that you had not yet had chemotherapy, but it looks like you had. Wow. The dead tissue that he removed from my body looked like it had already been assaulted by medication. Praise God. And so we go back to the proclamation that I made in the beginning that it would not bear fruit. It would be cursed from the root and die. Mm -hmm. And so God performing that healing in my body, even without the intervention of that particular medication. Medication, time, money, effort. Right. And everything. we understand that there are some people who need chemotherapy. And I was already, you know, like we say, aware, but maybe not preparing for that possibility, knowing what it would go through, those conversations with my doctor. And so the people who do take advantage of that, thank God that we have the knowledge for drugs that can combat that physical rebellion in the body, which we believe is a result of 
the curse. I'm not saying that everyone who has cancer is sinful. I'm saying that cancer is around because of original sin. Just in the way that we see little children get sick or unexplainable accidents. Even Jesus was approached with this conundrum and people say, this man's blind. Who sinned, him or his parents? And he said, neither. Mm -hmm. Nobody had to sin in order for bad things to happen because it's inherited. Just like people who wrestle with congenital uh, problems and medical difficulties. They didn't do anything wrong. They just maybe inherited a propensity towards diabetes or stigmatism or breast cancer or anything like that. It's in their genes. And so I didn't spend a lot of time trying to pinpoint what went wrong because I felt that my energies were best directed preparing for what God was going to make right. Yes. And I feel like maybe that's an encouragement for somebody listening today that we can't spend all of our time when something does go wrong. Obviously, we check our hearts. We make sure that we're not allowing different things, you know, change my diet, definitely shored up any areas where I needed to refocus, recalibrate. We do understand that sometimes, obviously, if you're texting and driving and an accident happens, there obviously were situations and circumstances that could lead to that. But I didn't spend a lot of time on that. I said, okay, this is the situation. This is where I'm expecting to have victory. Right. We stood by faith and declared healing scriptures and God's word over the situation. Definitely. So for those of you listening who either know a loved one who have gone through these things or had to have had chemotherapy, we have people in our own family who have had victory over cancer because of chemotherapy and because of the medical advances that we enjoy in the 21st century. So thank God for that. And I'm in my life thankful that he was able to preserve me and to answer those prayers and to just sustain me through this process. And so now on the other side of that, having a greater empathy. You know, the Bible says that Jesus empathizes with everything that we go through as humans because he took on a human form. And so as a minister of the gospel to young people, to young adults, to married people, to older adults, to even children now that are coming into the youth class at church and preteens, knowing, hey, things are going to go wrong in life. So number one, make sure that you're not inviting something to go wrong, whether you're not having proper boundaries in relationships or you have a poor diet or you are a distracted driver. Like, let's get rid of those factors. And then if anything does happen to go wrong, whether it is of your own invitation or just the general world that we live in, let's make sure that we understand who God is so that we can rely on him so that we can. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. And nobody runs into a strong tower unless they're under attack. That's true. And so people maybe have this misconception where if I love Jesus and I live for Jesus, I'm never going to experience attack. But Jesus himself said, you will have trouble. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The Bible talks about that the storms came and there's a house built on the bedrock and there's a house built on sand. The house on the rock did not avoid storms. And so for whatever you are going through in life, don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say, this is punishment. Now, if it was something that you made a way for, God will still be with you through that. And you can still pray and believe for deliverance from it. 
but do not feel like that is your eternal punishment. Well, this is the end for me because God's mad at me. Because the Bible clearly shows us that he poured out all his wrath on Jesus at the cross. And that is why we rejoice. We are saved because Jesus suffered and he rose victorious. Because if he had just suffered and died, that wouldn't have been it. But we know that he rose and his blood satisfies that sin offering that needed to be paid because of Adam and Eve. And so that's kind of a a basic theological understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus. Some people understand substitutionary atonement. Some people say penal substitutionary atonement. And regardless of what your understanding is of Jesus, that is my story. That my understanding of his sacrifice and our victory through that sacrifice is what sustained me through this process. And my encouragement is, if you have a relationship with Jesus, do not let that go. Because first of all, he is with you in suffering because he understands your suffering. Mm -hmm. And number two, you will be delivered. One profound message that I heard from a, a very trusted minister that I hear on the radio and on the internet, he said, some people believe that if you die, God didn't deliver you. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, when we die, we are delivered. Yes. We're delivered from pain. We're delivered from sickness. We're delivered from all the earthly troubles that we have because of what Jesus did. We can enter. Just like he looked at the thief. The thief next to him on the cross did nothing to deserve his forgiveness. He didn't say a specific English word spoken prayer to invite Jesus to be the Lord of his life and cleanse him and all. He just said, Lord, remember me. And the Bible tells us whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there was no complicated formula. He was there dying with Jesus. He said, remember me in your kingdom. And so Jesus didn't say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to finish up here on the cross, but you're going to get to come down. That man died. But because of Jesus' victory, he is in paradise. And so that's what I had to have that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mindset. Even if I don't make it through this fire, I know that I'm not lost. I have hope in the resurrection. And at this point in my ministry career, I've already done three marriages and two funerals. And that is the hope that we have. When we leave this earthly body that we will be reunited with Christ and our loved ones who believed on him. That is so true, Jonathan. And I love what the Bible says, too, that his word, the word that the the scriptures, the Bible verses, the, the power behind them, the word that goes forth will not return void. That just means it won't come back without producing. It won't come back unfruitful like, oops, sorry, didn't work in your situation, Jonathan. It did. And it did differently. Like you said, everybody's healing is different, whether it's here in the physical, natural world we live in, or if it's passing to the spiritual world. You know, God performs the miracle, the healing, the manifestation, the deliverance as he sees fit. But his word goes forth. And um, I tell you what, it was a long year. It was a trying year, but it was a year of the goodness of God. And I love what one of the songs that you constantly had on replay and we would hear and tears would come and faith would arise is one of the songs that says, Todo va a estar bien. 
everything is going to be all right. Yes, actually, number one for 2022 in my Spotify recap. Everything would be all right. And you know, another way that that was evidenced in your situation, um, which one of the follow-ups you had, I believe it was the first follow-up that you had, the surgeon told you, Jonathan, no cancer, nothing. And it, again, reconfirmed what he had told you right after when you were still in the hospital bed before you were released. June 3rd, that time period, it helps to reconfirm the whole situation and how he had rejoiced that it looked like you had had chemotherapy, even though he knew you had not. And that one word, that one phrase that stuck out, which was his own way as a physician, giving glory to God was, today is a day to celebrate. Yes. And so the doctors themselves, obviously, they want their patients to enjoy their best health. And so that's why they go into the medical profession. They dedicate years of their life and schooling so that they can help. And I'm thankful for all the medical professionals who had a hand in this process from the nurses taking my blood pressure, which, of course, during those uh, checkups and follow-ups, it may have been a little high because I was nervous, (laughs) to the doctors themselves, the surgeons, I believe all using their God-given abilities and talents to help people heal and in their own way manifesting part of the character of God, that God is a healer, God is a miracle worker, God is a provider. And for people who may say, well, Jonathan, that's all well and good, but I didn't get the answer to the prayer that I wanted. Well, let me tell you, listener, I didn't either. In November, I didn't want the surgery. In June, I didn't want that surgery. I didn't want all these biopsies. And so my first prayer obviously was, well, God, you know, take this cup away from me. And the things that I did go through I did not allow them to change my view of who God was. It deepened my view. It clarified my view. Like when you zoom in manually with a camera and you have to adjust your focus. Well, I had to adjust my focus on my own life and say, what am I doing with my life? You know, before this, I often had a phrase whenever I would accomplish something or win an award. I would say, well, you know, the man who made no mark did not exist. If you don't leave your mark, no one's going to remember you were here. And now through this really life-changing experience, my view is my life is only relevant so long as it is a testimony to God's goodness. Because what good is being remembered? The Bible says what good is gaining the whole world? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit your own soul? And so moving forward, obviously, I was having a conversation with a coworker. We're working together on a, a media project. And I told her, I said, every day is a gift because looking and staring your own mortality in the face changes the way that you view everything, changes the way you do laundry, changes the way you do your homework. It changes the way that you do worship with a holy God. It's not just another Sunday obligation. It's not just, I have to go because my aunts and my cousins are there. It is, I'm going to worship God because he is awesome. And the original word awesome means I am just struck with awe. I am having a difficult time processing how amazing this God is. And so not a fear of God saying, if I don't go to church, he's going to put cancer back on me. But understanding, I get an opportunity to give thanks for what he has done in my life. And that's my encouragement to your listeners. Whatever God has done in your life, big or small, give thanks. 
because he is with you in every situation. And some people say, well, I wasn't healed of cancer or anything like that, Brother Jonathan. Well, no, but whatever he has done. And the greatest miracle of all is salvation. We didn't deserve it, and he freely gives it. That is so good, Jonathan. Thank you again for being open and encouraging the people and sharing of what God did for you at the end of 2021 into 2022 and throughout this year. And it's been wonderful now that you've had a couple follow-up appointments. And I love what the doctor said recently to the oncologist at MD Anderson. He said, you're in the clear. You're in the clear. Of course, they still have obligations to check you every six months or so for a little bit, just for a while. But he said again, which is another testament of the goodness of God. Jonathan, you are in the clear. So we praise God. We give him all the glory and the honor for his faithfulness, his goodness, for sustaining my parents and I emotionally, mentally, casting down thoughts, declaring the word of God and doing what we did with John 10, 10, even saying the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy my brother's life. But it goes on to say, Jesus says, but I am come to bring life and life in abundance. And we continue to declare that. And we praise God that you are here today, thriving, that he sustained all of us. And he even, one revelation I got too, because so many things, the hand of God was still upon your life, walking with you and the blessing of the Lord upon you. So many things happened where the Lord prepared a table before you, the Bible says, literally in the presence of your enemies blessing upon blessing because of his goodness in the middle of this adversity the sickness the disease that was going on he took care of it the holy ghost and fire is keeping you alive and we thank god for really a miracle of what happened where nothing spread nothing happened the lord took care of it and now restoration has come and you're doing great you're doing wonderful, you're thriving, you're busy about the Father's business, busy with your kids, pioneering things at school, and we give God all the glory, and we thank Him for His healing power. And one more encouragement for your listening audience, you know, it was not an overnight thing. Obviously, this is December, which is six months later, and one of the scriptures that I stood on in the recovery process is where the Bible promises us, the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he binds their wounds. And one of the things the Lord had to walk with me through was recovery, because it would be so easy and so simple to say, all right, this is done, flip a switch, I'm going right back to normal. But binding a wound means you are healed, but you need to allow that recovery time, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a physical uh, ailment, whether it's something that you're struggling with mentally, whatever God is working in you, just because you know you've reached that period of forgiveness or you've reached that period of healing or there was an operation you still have to allow a period of healing and he continues to be faithful in that healing he continues to guard that wound and we have to guard it as well you know with stitches and bandages and disinfectants or antibiotics or whatever it is so that we don't reopen the wound and for some people, it can be difficult and impatient. You know, I was itching to get back in the gym and I was ready. I just wanted to get back to normal. But the Lord continued to remind me, hey, healing is a process, a process that he is still a part of. And we thank God for, you know, miraculous healings and instantaneous healings. But the majority of the time, we have to continue to trust him in that process. Amen. Jonathan, let's pray. Pray for the audience, please, as the Lord leads you. 
Lord, we thank you for the opportunity today to share of your goodness, that we declare you are who you say you are. We have seen you move in our lives. We continue to anticipate that you will move in our lives as we stand on your word. Your word does not come back to you void from the very beginning when you said, let there be and created the whole universe. You know what's going on inside of us. You are even aware of the the struggles and the trials that we have coming up ahead of us. And we continue to trust you in all these things. Lord, I pray for the audience right now, whatever they are going through, whether they are wrestling and struggling and suffering right now, that they would not only invite you into that suffering, but trust you through that suffering, knowing that you never leave and never forsake us. Whether they're walking through a season of healing right now, you continue to bind our wounds, that we don't just go right back to the way things were because we need that processing time. We need that healing time. We need to trust in you and be reminded that you are with us every single step of the way. And Father, for those of us who have had the unimaginable suffering of losing someone to a a health issue or to an accident of some sort, God, I thank you that we continue to cry out to you. There's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with questioning, but we would not abandon our relationship with you because even in tragedy even in struggle you never abandon us help us to remember who you are no matter what our circumstances are even in the trials even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we do not fear evil we are not afraid of death because what does death do but bring us closer to you And God, I thank you that we continue to speak your word. We continue to believe for long, fruitful lives where we can share the good news of your love through Jesus wherever we go each and every day. Because every day, God, it is a gift. And we offer it back to you, our highest sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we heard a powerful testimony from my brother, Jonathan Sixtos, where he shared of his healing testimony from about September last summertime, fall time 2021 through June 2022 and even these past six months as God has been restoring him and we are so thankful. Um, Thank you again for tuning in today. I hope you not only listen, but share this podcast with others so they also can be encouraged that the Lord is faithful and he is a healer and he is a sustainer and he will give them strength to endure, overcome and see his victory in their lives in Jesus name. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, God bless you.